Hello everyone, my name is Daniela Lake and this is Life Told by a Stranger. Life Told by a Stranger is a podcast where we hear about the diverse backgrounds, experiences, hardships, and dreams of people who have lived different walks of life. I started this podcast two years ago when I was 15, and listening to all these people's stories helps me embrace my own uniqueness, and in turn, I hope it can help you embrace yours. This is part two of my interview with Sandra Benton. I suggest listening to part one first, titled Sandra and the Empire State, so you can hear all of Sandra's story. You mentioned people who are constantly like trying to please everyone and, you know, putting on different faces for everyone, what would your advice be to those people? They need to settle down and get comfortable with themselves and figure out what it is that they need. I think people pleasers have a fear of being alone. And so they'll do whatever it takes to be in somebody's company. And I think that that leads them to feel like what they want or need is not important enough to fight for. So they think the only way that they can not be alone is to just go along with everything that somebody else wants to do. And I think that's how people get in trouble. You know, you see people sometimes who are just like, oh, well, I didn't mean to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, but so-and-so wanted me to be there. And so I, you know, I just ended up going with them. And that's how you end up getting in trouble. It's like you have to have strength of conviction to sometimes say no. I think we're taught no is a bad word. You know, that's why parents have two-year-olds and they're like, the two-year-olds are like, no, 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 no. Because that's what the parent is telling them all the time is no, 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 no. So they repeat what they hear. Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. But as we grow older, we're taught not to say no. And sometimes, sometimes you don't want to go to a party. Sometimes you don't want to go to lunch or dinner or you don't want to work on a project with somebody. And, you know, no is a full and complete sentence. No. And it doesn't have to be apologized for. And it doesn't have to be explained away. You can, if you want to, just to soften the blow for somebody else who's on the receiving end of it. It's like, no, I don't feel like I want to do that. Or just simply no with a soft tone. And that's enough. We're made to feel guilty if we don't want to do everything that everybody else wants to do. But sometimes walking a path by yourself is the best way to figure out what's important. Because when you're by yourself for a little bit of time, you start to figure out what it is that you actually hear as your own inner voice and not other people's inner voices. You know, because as we, as we grow up, we hear our parents' voice in our head. We hear our friends' voices in our head. And sometimes the things that they have grown up with are not the same things that will be the thing that you need to take you to the place that you want to go in your life. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, 
it's not. Yeah. What they grew up with, it's so different. Yeah. It's very different. And so um, I think that's been the hardest lesson to hang on to because commercials and movies and television and teach us that we want to be a part of the winning team and we want to be a part of whatever that thing, the next big thing is. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that's not the right thing for us to do. You know, we're talking about Emerson a while ago, but also Thoreau who did Walden Woods, Mm -hmm. Walden, the book. Okay. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. He went off and lived next to the, in the woods by himself for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And that influenced his life greatly. Henry David Thoreau was a philosopher, essayist, and a transcendentalist who lived in the 19th century. The book that Sandra's talking about, Walden, is his most famous work. Walden is a reflection on living a simple life in the natural world away from contemporary society. And yes, he wrote Walden while living in a cabin near Walden Pond in the woods in Massachusetts. He lived there for two years, two months, and two days. So he had a lot of time to write. Thoreau was good friends with Ralph Waldo Emerson. Emerson with Thoreau led the transcendentalist movement, which was a philosophical movement. A few sentences won't be enough to properly describe the entire movement for you all, so stay tuned for an entire episode on why I became interested in Emerson, his essay on self-reliance, transcendentalism, and Thoreau. Okay, back to Sandra. And sometimes, I'm not saying we all need to go off and live in the woods, by God, I'm not saying that, (laughs) but... Sometimes you just need to be still and listen to, I call it the God whisper. There's a a small voice that tells you what to do and what not to do. And sometimes you just have to be still and listen to it. And that, that is exciting and scary at the same time. Because if that still small voice is telling you something that all your friends and family is saying opposite, um, but you know that it's your truth, then you have to be willing to step out on that little bit of faith and say, okay, I know that everybody thinks I'm crazy, but this is the thing that's going to make me happy. And that's what I had to do. I've in my career as an, as an artist is like, I have had to walk away from situations and people and things and places because they weren't good for me. It wasn't in my best interest to be in that spot, in that space and trust that I'm talented enough. I'm smart enough. I'm good enough. And I'm unique enough to be the person that God made me to be. And I've never had to worry about my career I'm I'm a singer, I'm an actor, I'm a director, I'm a producer, I'm a writer, I'm a voiceover actor. You know, I have things in my life that I dreamt of as a kid and coming from where I came from was never supposed to be able to do, was never supposed to be able to have. And yet, because I listened to that voice that said, why can't I? Why can't I do that thing? Or what's stopping me from trying? 
Uh, and that's how I was able to achieve the things that I've achieved in my life. So I encourage anybody to just, just be still, listen, meditate, think about what it is that you want and visualize yourself doing that thing. And then you can make it happen. It, mm-hmm. it can come to you because I, I'm, I'm a person that believes in God. Whatever you or your audience believes, that's not my concern. But for me, those passions and desires that I have are given to me by my divine creator. Who am I to not uplift those gifts when they were given to me to give out to the world? And so that's what I that's. That's my ministry. That's the thing that keeps me going in my art and, and trying to be the best creative artist that I can be. Because if you don't use your gifts and bring out your gifts to the world, then you sell everyone short and yourself short. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And then who knows what could have come out of that? Think about all the inventions we have. Uh, you know, we have cell phones that are like computers. That was somebody's divine thought that was put in their head and said, you know what? I don't want to have a computer this big. I want something that I can walk around, walk with. around with and look at and play music and watch movies on and, you know, and all at the touch of my finger. And now it's almost getting, it's getting ready to be where you don't even have to touch the thing. You can just look at it. That happened out of somebody's divine spark of in creative ingeniousness. And now everybody has a phone. Yeah. That was unheard of. It mm-hmm. used to be one person in the community had a phone, maybe, mm-hmm. and if you were lucky, you know, and now it's like, okay, so one person has one in a community. Now everybody has a phone. Now everybody has a cell phone. Now everybody has a computer, a cell phone, a laptop, mm. a, a watch. Laptops and Toddlers stuff. Toddlers have laptops. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. You know, but that came out of that divine spark, that imagination of just figuring out yeah, why can't I make something like that? And who am I to deny the world of that genius? I'm not saying everybody's a genius, because God knows everybody ain't <laughs> a genius. But you want to think about the things that mean the most to you. And you think, okay, if I have this thought, then maybe somebody else has this thought too. And that's what I meant when I said a while ago about finding my tribe. You know, I used to talk about movies and television and and I always loved like Carol Burnett and all the variety shows and things of that nature and people in my community were just like "Mm, you know it didn't make any difference to them one way or the other but I come out here and I run into hundreds of people who are like oh my god yeah I used to love that show I used to watch that show I used to be you know I was that kid who was always looking at the sparkly side of life and listening to those songs and wanting to be on the stage. And I say those things and nobody looks at me like I'm a freak. Nobody looks at me like you're just weird. That's why would you want to do that? You know, I remember the very first time I um, went to New York, we were on a school trip and uh, I remember one of my friends saying, Oh, well, this is a nice place to visit, but I wouldn't want to live here. And I thought exactly the opposite. I thought, I can't wait till I live in this city. It was, when I got off the bus, it was the first time in my life I felt like I was at home. And I was like, this is, this is my people. 
this is where I belong. And so I made it happen. And that was unheard of from people in my community. It's like, no, you're going to work in a factory. You're going to get a meal job. You're going to do, you know, you're going to uh, maybe, maybe you might teach school. Maybe, you, which I actually do teach. I actually, you know, do go out and I teach theater and I do that. But, uh, and I, God knows I love teachers. I'm not saying it as a, a disparaging thing. I'm saying that was the biggest anybody was dreaming. I felt so at home in New York when I got off that bus and everybody else was like, I can't wait to get back home. And I was like, no, <laughs> this is where it's at. This is it. So anyway. If you were to write an autobiography, mm. what is one story you would have to include? <sighs> an autobiography. Wow. That is like an amazing question. Okay. I would have to include being hired by Disney. That was an amazing event. I got a notification from my agent that there was an audition for a voiceover part for a Disney project. She didn't have a lot of details as to what it was, but she was like, you have to do this audition. I was like, okay. So they sent me the material and it was this weird language that I was like, okay. And it said, Navi Shaman, otherworldly, maybe possibly sounds like someone or something from Papua New Guinea. I was like, those things don't even go together. I don't even <laughs> have any idea. But I was working on an auto book and I said to my engineer, I was like, help me find some sounds, diction, dialect from Papua New Guinea. And we looked it up and, and, and I was like, oh, okay, I get, I get that now. And in my head, I'm like, okay, otherworldly. It's got to sound otherworldly. So I'm like, okay, I can do that. And I'm reading over these words in this song that make no sense. But I'm like, all right, I'm just going to do it the best way I know how. So I go to the audition and the casting director puts me in the booth and he gives me a couple of words. And when he said, waterfall for whatever reason that word clicked in my head and I did the reading and I did everything with that imagery of a waterfall in my head and a couple of days later I get a phone call and they go we want you to be the voice of the Navi Shaman I go to Imagineering Disney Imagineering and I'm sitting in the parking lot because I don't want to be late. I get there super early. And in that moment, all things that I had studied in my life all came together for me to do that job. Like I sat in the parking lot and I legitimately cried tears of happiness and gratitude because everything I had studied and everything that I had worked for all was coming true in that moment. Sandra is the voice of the Navi Shaman, who greets guests at the Navi River Journey, a ride at Disney's Pandora, the World of Avatar, in the Walt Disney World Resort in Florida. The ride takes guests through the River of Pandora from the 2009 film Avatar. So if you ever go on that ride and hear the Navi Shaman, that's Sandra's voice. So that would be a story I would have to tell in my autobiography, and I can't talk anymore about it because it's just like, ah. <laughs> 
too much. Mm-hmm. So that was a good one. That was a that was a, a great day. And I've never been treated so well on a project. Um, they were wonderful to work with. They were creative and collaborative. Um, and I still am in communication with a lot of the people that I worked with on that project. Again, talking about how small things are. Mm-hmm. These are people who are world renowned and known for their crafts, and I got to work with them. And that was such a huge moment of all the sacrifices that my mom and my dad had made for me to be able to do that and to know that I was in the right place and that I had listened to myself and I had made the right decisions with the help of God and my family to be at that place at that time doing the thing that I love the most being an artist. And that was that, that is the thing that I would have to put in my autobiography. I hope you all enjoyed listening to this episode of life told by a stranger. We still have more of Sandra. So stay tuned for part three of her interview and follow us on Instagram at life told by a stranger. (laughs) 